Let's pray for the offering tonight. Our Father, you have uh, filled up our cup beyond, infinitely beyond what we deserve in your Son. And Lord, tonight is a testimony in and of itself of the countless uh, stories that you are writing. And we ask, Lord, that you would write more of them, that you would write into our hearts, Lord, a song of thankfulness, a song of joy, a song of salvation. Lord, as we give to the uh, extending of your kingdom uh, through our church, uh, both locally and around the world, we ask that people would continue, Lord, to have a song in their mouth, a song testifying to your truth and reality. And Lord, would you glorify yourself through uh, this gift, and then would your spirit uh, kindle in us a joy that flows out uh, to the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 is our devotions for tonight. I'll read verse 4, and then 10 to 13, and then verses 19 and 20. Philippians 4, verse 4, 10 to 13, and 19 and 20. This is God's Word. Let's pay attention to it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, for you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I, in, any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of face, facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's ask for God's blessing on His Word tonight. Well, Lord, would you kindle now by your authority and power a joy in the gospel that is truly supernatural, that we could not understand, humanly speaking. Lord, if we came tonight um, needing to hear you speak to us, I pray that you would address us deeply and profoundly and change us by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember the service last year? It was a a remarkable time of God's... um, demonstrating to me his work in your midst at Harvest. I also have come through a year now and just so spectacularly grateful to be one of your pastors. But I want to address you tonight if you are not feeling it. If you came tonight and you heard the testimonies of other people, but your heart was not there. Uh, We heard tonight about being grateful for an empty womb. We heard tonight someone testifying, being grateful through seven years of acute sickness and illness of facing cancer that you did not expect. And if you think to yourself, I I just couldn't imagine myself being there. Uh, Tonight the Lord speaks to us and calls us to understand what Paul called the secret of contentment. If you're wondering why are we talking about contentment the day before Thanksgiving, the, the, there is an essential bond between contentment and thanksgiving. You can't give thanks for something. You can't be grateful unless there's a baseline of contentment and satisfaction in your heart. 
If you have a sense that God has provided for you, that He's with you, that He'll take care of you, that uh, He'll never leave you or forsake you, then everything on top of that is a reason to be grateful. So I want to do the foundational work tonight in our devotions and speak about that baseline reality of why we need contentment. And in doing that, I want to reintroduce you or introduce you to two of my heroes, one of them living still and one of them dead. One of them uh, is Johnny Erickson Tata. If you've listened to her radio broadcasts or heard her singing or testifying to God's work, this is a woman who jumped into water that was shallower than she understood. She was 17 years old. She uh, loved uh, riding on horseback and being super physical, and in one moment, her whole life was transformed. And she says now, Praise God for my injury. Praise God to lose mobility for the rest of my life. How do you do that? How is it possible to be grateful when everything is taken from you? My second hero is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor, who, facing execution in a prison cell for opposing Nazi Germany, wrote sermons of gratitude sermons of a profound grief as he was going to be away from his family during Christmas, away from his fiance, and yet he could say, praise God, I'm so thankful that God has me confined in this prison so I can preach and testify to who God is. How do these people believe this way? How is this possible? So I want us to think tonight then, what is contentment? Second, why do we need it? And third, how do we get it? What is contentment? Why do, we need, uh, why do we need it so profoundly, and how do we get it? Well, notice in verse 11, as I'm sure you've heard many, many times before, Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Part of me wishes as one of your pastors that I could say to you, God zaps you with contentment, but he doesn't. He teaches it slowly and gradually through your whole life. That's why Mick Kinnear can come up tonight and say, God has worked in my life. God has rescued me. This is a lesson God teaches us gradually through our whole life. One of my professors at Westminster, Dennis Johnson, put it this way, contentment is a skill honed through practice. It's not pre-installed in our hearts like software on a new computer, nor injected into us in a single dose. It takes practice. Contentment is slow. God works it into our hearts, drip, drip, drip through our whole life. It's a skill that's learned. And oftentimes the things that He calls you through as a Christian, the things you never would have chosen in your life, are precisely the means by which He is training contentment in your life. Contentment is a lifelong learned skill of being able to feel sufficient whether we have very much or very little. But second, why do we need this so profoundly? Verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. If your happiness, like me oftentimes, is tethered to your circumstances, the way that you will determine whether or not you are content or whether or not you are joyful is just taking the temperature of what's going on in your life, right? How's your day going? It's not a good day. How happy are you down here? But if your contentment is found outside of you, outside of your circumstances, how is your day going? Horrible. How are you doing? Very well. God is being faithful. God has stuck with me. God is acting and he will not leave me 
or forsake me. Think about these words, threatening words in different contexts. Your boss sits you down and says, it's time for your job to be reviewed. We're going to see how effective and efficient you are being at your task, and maybe we need to let you go. How do you go into that meeting? Or your spouse says to you, we really need to talk. There's something profoundly wrong with our relationship. This can't go on anymore. How do you enter into that conversation? See, as long as our contentment is rooted in our daily experience, we'll always feel like God is not enough for us. But if, as Paul says, we have learned the secret of contentment in every and any circumstance, you can stand up and say, God has been faithful. He took everything away that I had hoped I would have in my life. And yet God is so good, and He's worthy of being worshipped and followed and adored. Well, third then tonight, how can you have it? If we know that contentment is a slow and learned process and that it's essential so that we'll have this rooted confidence, how can you have it tonight? And Paul tells us one of the most often quoted passages in the Bible, I can do all things, verse 13, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, your contentment doesn't come by you creating and amassing experiences or good circumstances around you. It's a rooted confidence. It's a connected confidence to the real person of Jesus, the resurrected Savior who's at the right hand of the Father. It's a connection to something, a power outside of you, a person who is actually able to make you joyful. Jeremiah 17 Verses 7 and 8, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord like a tree planted by water, does not fear what heat comes. His leaves remain green. See, we will experience this deep, settled confidence in the Lord when we realize that what we deserved from God was judgment and alienation and death and being pushed out of His presence forever. And what we received from Him was acceptance and love and overflowing compassion. And why tonight? Because of Jesus. Because you have in Jesus a treasure of eternal joy and satisfaction. So I'm going to close with two testimonies then from these two of my heroes from a sermon called Justification as the Last Word from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. All Christian living has its origin and existence in what the Reformation called justification by faith alone. What happens here? An ultimate act of suffering which cannot be grasped by human being. The darkness from within and without takes human life in the abyss of hopelessness is bound, conquered, and destroyed by the power of the word of God. Why was this so important to Bonhoeffer? Why was he writing about this in his prison cell? Why did he need to get this to those who were listening to him. In the light of this deliverance, we see God and our neighbor as if the first, for the first time, the bewildering labyrinth of the life we've lived so far is shattered. We begin to know in our heart that there is a God who loves us and accepts us and by our side is a brother or sister whom God also loves and accepts. See, when your circumstances do not determine 
your joy and satisfaction. Jesus becomes the source of your lasting pleasure. And you know the Father accepts me. He's pleased with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. Well, how did that gift get secured for you tonight? How does God offer that gift to everyone who would turn to Him tonight? My other hero, John Erickson Tata, put it this way. I discovered that the Lord Jesus could empathize with my situation. On the cross for those agonizing, horrible hours waiting for death, He was immobilized, helpless, paralyzed. Jesus did know what it was like. In the uh, course of her biography, if you're familiar with her story, she really is upset at God. She does not want to give in and trust Him. And she realizes God was not this distant, impersonal force, but someone who was with her in the midst of her agonizing grief. Jesus did know what it was like to not be able to move, to not be able to scratch His nose, shift His weight, wipe His eyes. He was paralyzed on a cross for me. See, it's this act of substitution. It's when you know this person, the real living Jesus, gave himself for me that you can say, if I have him, I don't need anything else in this life. I can lose my whole family. I can be cast out of everything that I wanted in this life. And if I have Jesus... He will be enough for me. We're going to sing tonight. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and my shame. In love, you came and gave amazing grace. It has to be an experienced reality. It has to be something that speaks directly to your heart. And if you're struggling, like I said at the beginning tonight, and you're just thinking, I don't feel it. I don't have it. I would challenge you, I would encourage you to ask, Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me again, maybe for the thousandth time. Satisfy my empty, broken, longing heart. Come, be my all. We'll sing also, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah. Oh, for sinners slain. If this is your Redeemer, if Jesus is the one who draws near to you, you can say with Paul, I have learned in all situations and in all circumstances to be content. And from that baseline foundation of contentment will flow massive gratitude and thanksgiving because everything you get in this life that wasn't judgment and death and being cast out of God's presence but instead being accepted and loved. Everything is bonus. Everything is extra. And if Christ is everything that we have, Christ is all that we truly need. Let's give thanks to him tonight. Lord God, we ask that you would teach us very deeply, even though if painfully, the secret of contentment. Lord, we will be brought low, and you will at times also give us abundance. Lord, protect our hearts in the times of comfort from cursing you or forgetting that you were the one who gave these things to us, Lord. In the times of profound loss, when life is going absolutely against what we had anticipated, Lord, would you give us the joy that we heard in the testimonies tonight to thank you for the hardest things, Lord. And we will praise you, Father, and give you all the glory and honor. Thank you for our Savior tonight. He is truly our whole life and future and eternity. We praise you for him. 
We pray in his name. Amen.